Hello, welcome to another episode of Sustainability in the Sea, an ocean-minded podcast produced and hosted by the Conservationist Collective. I'm your co-host, Carissa, and we're really excited for what 20 and 23 means for this show. Today, we're sitting down with Jenny Morgan, mainly because when we connected originally over LinkedIn, it was very clear to me that we had the same views about collective um, approaches to climate solutions and conservation because she actually works to decarbonize businesses. Um, And from my perspective, I definitely don't think we can meet any of our climate or sustainability goals without having companies buy in and take really big steps and measures, um, especially in a society that is built on capitalism. So we talk about the tools that she offers businesses through her consulting business, through Tradewater, the company that she works for, and um, also the ways that she gets businesses to not only become carbon neutral, but reduce their emissions from a system perspective um, and extend their impact past carbon credits towards you know, real change from within. And she really wants to work with small and medium-sized businesses. So if you're one of those people or you know someone, definitely check out some of her contact information that we have in the show notes. But other than that, I hope you guys had a really great New Year's. And before we get into the episode, I just wanted to give a little announcement that the Conservationist Collective's um, Sustainable Ocean-Minded merch is still available. Um, if you want to wear what you love, aka the ocean, in your everyday life, I'm actually wearing the hoodie right now and um, I love it. The crop tops are definitely the softest and I think it's a really good gift um, for anyone that you love or for yourself. So don't forget about those and um, we have some really big exciting announcements. So if you want to stay in the know on those, you can subscribe to the Ripple, our monthly blue newsletter or our blue text messages where you can receive insider announcements via text a few times a month. So Anyway, let's talk to Jenny and hold those companies accountable. Welcome to Sustainability in the Sea. Welcome, Jenny, to Sustainability in the Sea. Um, We're so happy to have you on the show today to talk about sustainability, but also what that looks like from a private sector or business approach. Um, We're really happy to have you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. Um, So we have a large um, demographic of our audience that really wants to make helping the planet a career. And so I always like to start episodes with um, how did you get into this work and and what do you do and how did you get there um, as far as your path? Yeah. So I have a long history in events and I was constantly trying to find ways to advance in my career within the hospitality industry. And as I was gaining new skills, I became very knowledgeable about equity and implementing inclusive practices into the events industry. I then wanted to get into the technology space with events. And so I started doing some volunteer work, which then developed into a side hustle of helping a nonprofit that was looking to apply diverse and inclusive practices into their, um, their, the technology sector and kind of building and 
retaining females or female identifying people in the industry. Um, so then I got a job at Microsoft by doing that kind of dual, uh, dual working, which was tough. Um, I got a job at Microsoft and then when I was learning more about sustainability, since Microsoft has a big voice in the space, I wasn't directly attached to the sustainability organization, but I wanted to integrate climate action into my role. So I began to educate myself more on how to do that. I know it's somewhat of a, a buzzword or buzz phrase now of every job is a climate job. I, I truly believe that. And so I think if there's a job that you want to do or a footprint you want to have in your career personally or professionally. Um, you just kind of have to do it. And so I wanted our learning platform at Microsoft to be carbon neutral or climate positive. And so I started doing a bunch of research on how I can help bring climate benefits into a non-climate focused role at Microsoft. And I started partnering with Tradewater on that. Uh, the entire learning platform was climate positive while I was working there. And then a job became available at Tradewater and I just jumped at the opportunity. So I kind of have, if I butt my head against a wall and can't find a clear path of getting a job or getting a uh, an opportunity how I see fit, then I kind of burst through the wall and find a side path to get there. <laughs> I think that that's really um, probably some of the best advice for anyone. Really, it doesn't matter if you're working in climate or sustainability. It's like you have to kind of create opportunities for yourself, especially if you have a clear direction that you do want to go in, which it sounds like you definitely did. Um, sometimes it just is a matter of having like the courage to ask your supervisor, like, can I take on these extra things or can I move more into this? Is, is this a, a goal for the company? And can I move more in this direction? I see myself going this direction because I did that many times throughout my career and it definitely paid off. Um, I think it wouldn't, we can't expect our supervisors to be mind readers, right? And know what we want out of life. So um, that's pretty amazing that you were able to do that in a large, really large company like Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah. It was really rewarding. And I, I educated myself more than I had in a really long time. I just bought books and I was reading and always networking and it was very personally fulfilling. Yeah. Um, how did you, first of all, what is Tradewater? And then I guess, how, how did you hear about them and how did you have that clarity inside yourself where you were like, I want to go that way? Yeah. Um, so in 2020, I had two kids under the age of four and I'm in the Pacific Northwest. There were a lot of wildfires as well, as well as the pandemic. And there were about nine days that we were stuck in our home together with two large dogs. And it was a enlightening opportunity for me um, to look at it positively that I really wanted to find a climate benefit that tackled now I think that there are amazing solutions out there that are they're very forward looking and there's new technology coming out that's really exciting. I personally wanted to find something that was going to tackle right now for me to feel like I was going to be 
um, changing the course of climate change today versus investing in something in the future. Both, I will say, are very necessary. So um, don't don't um, get me wrong that I think you should have a very diverse portfolio of how you tackle climate solutions. But me personally, because I emerged from my house um, with a lot of people looking at me of, <laughs> of you know, uh, hey, are we going to be this close all the time? Um, and turns out, <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, I wanted something now. And so I was listening to a podcast about, uh, it's called um, Planet Money, and Tradewater was on it. And it was basically just talking about how Tradewater tackles non-CO2 emissions and carbon avoidance and how there are all of these toxic man-made greenhouse gases that are in production, have been banned, whatever, they exist out there and they're basically leaking into the atmosphere, causing catastrophic issues for us to be able to stay at our climate goals. And so it's kind of a non-sexy side of climate action, but it's huge because some of these gases that trade water targets are 11,000 times more potent than carbon and can have a huge, um, you know, uh, effect on how we experience climate change. And so that got me really excited. That's why I picked Tradewater to be the offset provider and the climate solutions provider for when I worked at Microsoft. And then just the team and the passion and everything just kind of got me to where I am today of actually working there. But um, it started with the solution itself and then just the the passion behind the team. Wow. Did you, does Tradewater work with like methane emissions too? Cause I know that is one of the more significantly more potent um, greenhouse gases that uh, sometimes doesn't always get prioritized, I guess, in diversion and things like that. Yeah. Well, and different types of methane for me, when I hear, hear methane, I think of a landfill and food, mm-hmm. food waste leaking. And so um, there's a lot of things that we don't know. <laughs> so yeah. um, trade, trade water targets, ozone depleting substances. So refrigerants, um, if you're, you know, not hearing about the hole in the ozone layer and things like that, that was basically this push to ban the production of this type of refrigerant. It's basically a, a coolant you would find in appliances. And there are versions of them, um, ones that are, are now banned from production that are incredibly toxic if, mm-hmm. if released into the atmosphere. And they actually can't be sequestered after they're released. So we can't suck them out. Um, we can't plant a tree to then to then absorb it. It's basically once it's released, it's out there. So um, that's one. Halons are another ozone depleting substance. You could find those as a fire suppressant. So pretty much anywhere where you don't want a fire to start, halons were used. Um, those can be incredibly detrimental to the environment. And then methane, as you mentioned, is the other project source that we we manage, we target abandoned and orphaned oil and gas wells. So oh. basically an oil or gas company drilled, they then left it there or uh, the company went bankrupt. And basically there's a hole sitting leaking anywhere from thousands to millions of tons of methane, um, which need to be plugged appropriately. And there's not really a, a any accountability without trade water or someone like us coming in and plugging those. Wow. That's also incredible work and things that you don't necessarily think about when you think about things that might be contributing to the climate crisis, because it feels like 
because we don't understand all the nitty gritty behind the fossil fuel industry, we might not realize ways in which even if all uh, fossil fuel companies shut down tomorrow, that there could be still so much going and contributing to a warming atmosphere. Yeah, we clean up messes, basically, yeah. is like the short version of it. <laughs> um, it it's, it can be overwhelming. It, it's sometimes I find it personally challenging to have conversations like these, because I want your audience to be really excited about the climate solutions that are out there. And that's why I'm a big advocate of Tradewater's work and and work that other companies are are driving. It is a bit overwhelming though, just how much we don't know uh, that's out there um, of just yeah. how much how much accountability is lacking for some large organizations and and things that people have just kind of forgotten or distracted the consumer from. You know, focus on the plastic straws. Don't don't worry about this. And they all should be tackled together simultaneously. Yeah, it's pretty incredible that places or people like the group at Tradewater are implementing that accountability check because it's so it's so critical. Um, you used a term called carbon avoidance and would plugging a decommissioned well or something like that be an example of carbon avoidance? Yeah, if you look at climate solutions, there's typically two types of it. You're looking at that avoidance and prevention or you're looking at removals. Mm -hmm. And so loosely speaking, avoidance and prevention is what trade water is doing. Removals is something that is either a nature-based solution or there are some tech technology, um, you know, uh, equipment and, and innovations that are coming out to actually suck carbon out of the atmosphere and get rid of it. So those are kind of the two, two types of climate solutions, if you want to put them in buckets like that. I like to think of it as if we are on a boat and the boat is sinking. There's the people that are taking their hands and trying to just scoop the water out of the boat to get some of the weight out of the out of the structure that's sinking. The, they're removing the water. Um, and then there's that avoidance and prevention actually trying to plug up that hole that's then allowing the water to come in that's causing the boat to sink. So again, they both have to be done at the same time. I just personally gravitated towards the now. I want to plug that hole and then we can kind of get the water out of the boat. That's awesome. That's a really great uh, metaphor to use because I can visualize it. <laughs> yeah. um, so what would I guess be an example of other types of carbon avoidance that you maybe work in or maybe your um, colleagues work in for um, either the fossil fuel industry or another um, industry that you're familiar with? For trade water specifically, we're focusing on those ozone depleting substances. Um, there are some refrigerants that are not as harmful to the environment, but they do still have um, they they still do harm the environment. They're just not as potent as the CFCs and refrigerants that we're tackling or those halons. Um, in insulation, you can find refrigerants and um, different chemicals that are in those foams. So that's something that we would hope to be able to grow since those do have a significant 
footprint on the environment. Um, we've done some work with coal mines as well and emissions that are leaking from those. Um, so, I mean, I think that there's a lot of different areas from a from the greenhouse gases that are more, you know, man-made and, and man-created. Um, but specifically, we're trying to target the ones that are most potent and the ones that we can do today. So um, I really think the ozone-depleting substances and getting rid of those is key. I also like the new climate benefits that closing up those those oil and gas wells can do because basically okay. we can receive funding to then be able to do that tomorrow. So yeah. that, I like that aspect too. You don't have to wait for something to come in to kind of take action on solutions. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so is your first step doing like a calculation where you figure out what is, how much is being emitted or is that more for um, pursuing like a net zero uh, toolkit for businesses? Yeah. So we work with a a lot of different types of businesses. So a large organization that is aware and knowledgeable about their footprint, they probably have either a consulting firm that they partner with that does ESG assessments and um, materiality assessments, and they have this entire um, carbon recording of, of, you know, what their footprint is, they'll come to us and they already know what they're looking to buy. They might resonate more with the ozone depleting substances or the methane work. They might have a specific region where we're in 11 different countries right now with active projects. And so they might have, um, you know, more of a, a personal relationship with a specific region that we're in. So we do work with organizations like that, that kind of know what they're looking for and they know what their climate solution portfolio either looks like, or they want it to look like. Then we have small and medium-sized businesses. And this is where I'm really passionate because like I mentioned, I felt like when I was in previous roles, I was excluded from the conversation because I didn't have an environmental science degree and, or before in my career, I didn't have experience in tech. And so it's this constant wall that I think individuals and small businesses hit. And I feel like small and medium-sized businesses have been left out of the climate conversation. They're too small to even have an impact on it. So why even include them? Which is completely false. And so we have this carbon calculator that small and medium-sized businesses can use to make it really free, accessible. It's easy to understand. You basically just need to have your expenses available to you and know what your employees are doing, flying, traveling, things like that. You can fill out that carbon calculator and then it gives you an idea of what your footprint looks like. And then you can partner with us to purchase offsets if you'd like, and then also access our tools to reduce your footprint. So what are some things you can do with your energy uses, usage, things like that. So I'm really hoping to grow our partnership with small and medium-sized businesses because, I mean, 90% of the economy is small and medium-sized businesses. If we, I mean, imagine if we all did something about that, we would take over the conversation. Yeah. And it's also, things can move a little bit quicker in small and medium-sized businesses. And so you get closer to being like, all right, we just made an impact. They're set up for success now they purchase their offsets. Now they're going to pursue reduction. And then I can go find another medium-sized business to target, um, on your end as a, as an employee. Um, 
what type of, and oh, I also wanted to say, I'll put that um, resource to the calculator in the show notes for people who want to maybe do it for your business, or maybe you know someone who has a smaller, medium-sized business and you can connect um, with Tradewater and things like that. But um, what I wanted to ask was what um, offsetting projects do you use um, as far as do you have a a variety of options or do you mainly partner with like one or two third-party um organizations so we're verified so we've we've worked with um the american carbon registry vera um we're most of our projects are now on the american carbon registry so we go, go through that triple verification model so that our offsets are deemed high quality. Um, for those that aren't familiar with the space, there's a carbon market that you can go into and purchase credits from there, offset credits. And you're basically going through this tool to allow yourself to know that there's trust in what you're purchasing, that this climate solution actually exists, that they are you know, saying, doing what they're saying they do, um, and that all the accounting is done appropriately. So, um, right now our projects are on the American carbon registry, and then we also are in the compliance market. So basically if there are organizations that just want to work directly with us and not purchase offsets through the market, they can work with us directly as well. Um, one of the things that I really pride ourselves on with that is that we still go through that verification model. So we hire a third party verifier to still go through that so that no matter where you're purchasing trade water offset credits from, they're still going to have that accountability that you've grown to trust. Um, so that's something that I think people are starting to know a bit more about the market mm -hmm. and what offsets are, but I think that there's a lot of education that's still needed for those to kind of know, because there's, you know, greenwashing and things like that, that kind of make people feel a little um, hesitant on purchasing things since there's been a lot of things in the media about people not being completely honest about what they are doing. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's comforting to know that there is a verification process behind it and that um, people can go like check that out, which is great. Um, I'll also link that market um, in the show notes. But if folks are, maybe you're a medium-sized business and you pursued offsets, you're reducing your overall um, private footprint as a company, is are there is there another option to kind of get rewarded for the environmental um, measures that you take? I think you mentioned uh, B Corp certification is something, is a space that you also work in? Yeah, I'm familiar with the B Corp certification. I had a consulting company for a bit while I, I guess I am obsessed with having two jobs. I guess <laughs> I think that's coming. The realization is coming out right now. Uh, but I had a consulting company while I was working at Microsoft, um, just because again, I wanted to change that narrative that it's not just nonprofits, it's not just government, business can have a huge impact on climate change. And by becoming a B Corp, you're going through that third party verification model again, you're, you're um, going through this test, whether it's a carbon calculator or where it's the B Corp assessment to the B impact assessment, you're going through this test and then a third party is then 
deeming you, you know, either you're getting certified or the gaps in your organization that you need to improve. And so if someone's gone through the carbon calculator, they're really passionate about their environmental footprint and they've offset that. Now they're looking to go even more broad. The B Corp assessment touches environment, but then it also touches customer engagement, governance, um, community support, and how you're supporting your employees. And so it's a much more holistic look at how your business can be a force for good for the environment as well as everything else. So it's this um, this profit business model for profit people and planet. It's um, I actually just got back from the B Corp Champions Retreat since not only did I have that consulting company that still exists, um, it's called Pact3. But Tradewater actually just became B Corp certified. So it was an incredible experience. I would recommend um, anyone to educate themselves a bit more on what businesses are B Corps. Pretty much any company that makes you feel really good, they're probably a B Corp, like Ben and Jerry's and Patagonia and stuff, but also some just very inspiring businesses. Wow, all your worlds came together <laughs> at the retreat. Yeah, that. <laughs> I know. I, I'm trying to be very present with that because I know it could be really easy to forget like, oh, wow, cool. And then I just go on with my day. And so I'm trying to constantly re- remind myself of that just because it seems kind of like a dream. Yeah. And it's also probably what you maybe had as a goal or envisioned all of those years ago or when you were had that awakening during the wildfires where you wanted to reshape what um, your career might look like. Yeah, definitely. For those that are looking for businesses that align with their values, going to look to see if any B Corps are hiring would be a big suggestion too. Um, for those that are wanting to have a purposeful career, if you're working for a B Corp, whether no matter what, sector or organization within the business everyone's on that same trajectory of like being that force for good yeah they've they have a a pretty expansive directory of businesses at this point I don't even remember when it when it came to um become an option to become b corp certified but I feel like they have such a um strong and reputable um understanding by nearly everyone like you saying like yep just if you're there, B Corp certified, like that's a good starting point to find a purposeful career. Like that, that integrity of their reputation must have taken them so long to get to, to that point. Yeah. If you were an employee at a B Corp and you said, have you all ever considered this as a benefit? You're not going to be, you know, ostracized for suggesting something. You can assume that everyone within the organization would want to hear uh, a need from their employee and how they can be that provider. So it's, it's a, a very open, open community and culture. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's so much opportunity now that we've had this conversation for the private sector to kind of step up and step um, and think big about the ways that they're showing up with climate solutions. And um, is there any other is, is, does something else come to your mind about ways that the private sector might be able to kind of, um, take these steps forward. I mean, there's verification with trade water, there's B Corp certification, there's carbon avoidance, and then there's um, reduction. Is there any something big that maybe we haven't touched on yet? 
mean, I think that we've all been some, if you're playing in the capitalist space, you've been trained to think more is better and more should be quantified as a dollar um, or, or some sort of, um, you know, representation of value. And I think that coming from a place of curiosity would be basically what I would say to anyone within the private sector that's curious about this. Be curious about how your employees feel at work. Be curious about what your customers think about your business. Be curious about if the business you're building is dependent on something that cannot is not regenerative you know that's a huge mm. um these are all touching so many facets of a business that are all going to hit your bottom line even if you are still stuck in that profit mentality it does have these co-benefits and it can change your culture to have retention you're bringing in more innovative workers you're um, creating a supply chain that can actually sustain the ebbs and flows of the economy or of of what's uh, able to 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 get at that time um, your customer satisfaction rates cost savings I, I would just encourage the that curiosity that's um, that those in the private sector may have, whether you're an individual or you're leading an organization. It's it can have enormous benefits outside of maybe what you think is that one goal. Mm -hmm. And then if you're a customer or a supporter of that business, you can also share these types of uh, measures or steps that the company might not know about or um, might just need a little pushed by their um, customer base to go in that direction, you can also encourage um, the companies that you align with to kind of take these steps too, right? Yeah. I mean, purchasing power is huge. Yeah. That, that empowers people to, to be able to basically vote for what they, what they're interested in. If we continue to vote that fast fashion is what we're interested in. We're not going to change the industry, but if we continue to vote that, Hey, I want something that's high quality and doesn't completely destroy the environment that you're, you're paying a living wage for those that are making said shirt or something, you know, whatever is going into this hypothetical that will change the industry because mm -hmm. they will then see that it's being demanded by their customer base. And so I think it's really important. Um, you know, you can shop within B Corps. They've they've got um, you know, these holiday lists and things since we're approaching on holiday season. Um, and just being very, very mindful of how you shop and providing that feedback. When you get that net promoter score that rate your experience from zero to ten, it if a company's asking you that, it can have huge implications on how oh. that that industry is rated um, because that means that they're actually taking that promoter score back. And pretty much if you don't say nine or 10, that's viewed as either neutral or negative. It's only nines or tens that help help that score go up. And so if a company asks you that, you should answer it and mm -hmm. tell them why. And they'll take it seriously. If they're asking, it's it's a it's a big question. Well, I didn't know it carried so much weight. I, we get those all the time. 
and just taking like, and cause I'm always telling people like, oh yeah, you can, you know, email your favorite company and ask them to make a change. But if they're already sending you an email because, you know, they're like your order's confirmed and you can just type it in right there. It makes it so much easier to create like a, a feedback relationship where it can be built upon in the right direction that we want it to go. And you're so right. Like purchasing power, cause there has been um, different perspectives about this in the sustainability conversation, but even just in the last five to six years of me being in this space, we have seen so much transition towards more environmentally friendly business practices, more sustainable fabric, sustainable measures, and from giant corporations that I would have never thought were, would be prioritizing this. Like sometimes I see, I see these measures and I'm almost a little bit in disbelief. Like if the person I was five years ago would even believe it. So um, if that doesn't, I guess, emphasize the power of purchasing power. I don't, I guess I don't know what does. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's just really amazing. And I think that's, this is only the beginning. There's some mm-hmm. folks that have been doing it for decades, you know, and um, there's some that are joining the the charge now. And so it's, it's really inspiring. Yeah. And then um, I try to conclude most episodes with this last question, which is um, if you had like a a message that you wanted to share with the whole world or put like on a billboard for all of maybe the most powerful people in the world or just the largest population um, to see, I guess, what would you want to say in that? Yeah, there's this quote that I've been obsessed with lately. (laughs) Um, And so, and I think it just really speaks volumes to what we're talking about. And I'm not going to say it verbatim because I'll butcher it a bit, but it's basically that profit is like air for a business. So without it, you're out. But if your whole life is basically about breathing, then you're missing it. And that's been something that I think is behind all of this. If we all just view profit and air as why we're here and we're just breathing and we deem that successful, you're missing interactions with friends and family, seeing a new movie, all of these different things. If you're measuring your value based on just inhale, exhale. And so that's been something that I think has really been a, an eye opener for me in a way to say it of what we're all trying to do is it's beyond that our value and our the footprint that we leave on this planet and in our one life or lives of whatever you end up believing um, is really important. And so it should be the best that it can be. Yeah. And that's so beautiful. I never heard that quote before, but as someone who runs a small business and has a very complicated relationship with profit and capitalism and things like that. Um, all of the most rewarding pieces of running a business have really nothing to do with profit. And, uh, I can really see that. And I'm sure that's a really strong message that you can bring to potential, um, clients and businesses that you work with, because I think anyone who's in a leadership position can see that perspective when it's framed that way. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I love the podcast and I, um, I'm just inspired by your audience. I'm always around. I'm on LinkedIn and email and everything. And so happy to chat with anyone that's just interested in what we've talked about. Yeah, I'll put all of Jenny's contact information um, for easy access in the notes below. And you should check out 
the work she's done and the work that she will do. So thanks for coming on Sustainability in the Sea. Thank you.